0: This is the Totally Stoned podcast, the history of the greatest rock and roll band in the world, The Rolling Stones, with a focus on the commercial side and sales side. And this is the second episode, and we will pick right up where we left off last episode. And if you don't remember or did not listen to the last episode, we covered from the Stones' debut album until Between the Buttons, their fifth British and seventh American album. And up next is the 6th British and 8th American album, Their Satanic Majesty's Request. Released on December 8, 1967, the album marked a significant change in the band's sound, well, just for this album, as they did their best attempt in what is now known as psychedelic rock, or sometimes even called acid rock. The album did not bode well with the critics, as most took it as a direct attempt of copying the Beatles album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and even some of the band members, including Mick Jagger, agree that it was not their greatest work. Also included on the album is the only song ever by the band that was not sung by Mick Jagger or Keith Richards, that being In Another Land, which features bassist Bill Wyman on lead vocals. The album was still a commercial success, hitting number three in certified silver in the UK and hitting number two in certified gold in the US. The album was supported by three singles, but only She's a Rainbow had much success, and and even then it peaked at number 25 in the U.S. and didn't chart back home. Now, the next studio release starts an incredible run of albums, arguably the best work of the Stones' entire career. It all starts with Beggar's Banquet, released on December 6, 1968. The album released to critical acclaim and commercial success, peaking at number 3 in the U.K. and 5 in America. The album would also be certified gold back home and platinum in the U.S., meaning it surpassed 1 million units sold, at least for the U.S. It was supported by one single, Street Fighting Man, and, uh, and it only performed well in Central European companies. But Street Fighting Man wasn't the star of the album. That went to the opening track, Sympathy for the Devil, which quickly became a Stones and classic rock staple, along with being a concert mainstay and one of their most recognizable songs. Now, these weren't peaceful times for the band, as one might think. Over the past few years, guitarist Brian Jones had alienated himself from the band, the main contributor being his abnormal drug use. And a few months after the release of Beggar's Banquet, Jones was found dead after he drowned in his swimming pool at his home in East Sussex. The Stones quickly auditioned replacements, and it ultimately decided on Mick Taylor. But enough of the sad stuff, we'll get back to it. Stones kept on going with their next single, Honky Tonk Woman, where it hit number one in seven countries, certified gold in the U.S. and silver in the U.K., and eventually being inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Although it was never featured on a studio release, it remains a mainstay on greatest hits albums and on live concert albums. Next up is Let It Bleed, released November 28, 1969, and once again was a huge success commercially, commercially, and critically and is heralded as one of the best albums in history, having a ranking of number 41 on Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. Let It Bleed peaked at number one in the UK and number three in the US on its way to being certified platinum back home and double platinum in America. It was also bolstered by two eventual rock staples, the intro track Gimme Shelter and the epic closer You Can't Always Get What You Want. Now, a couple of weeks later, the Stones would once again be involved in a tragic event. On December 6, 1969, the band performed at the Altamont Free Concert in Tracy, California, and due to the band's increased popularity and the low nature of the stage, the notorious bikers club Hells Angels were asked to surround the stage and act as security for the acts. Now the Stones were last for the concert, and conditions had been deteriorating all day. And by the time they got to their third song, the crowd had become unruly and attempted to invade the stage, including an 18-year-old male named Meredith Hunter. Now Hunter had already been forcibly removed from the stage once, and later attempted again, but this time the angels took more force in this time, and one of them ended up stabbing him twice, leading to his death. Because the Stones were on stage at the time, this led to a drop in public approval and deterioration of their public image. As they could be seen as violent and ruckus causers when they had nothing to do with this death. But, anyways, we'll get back to the not sad stuff. Next for the Stones is their second live album, entitled Get Your Yah Yahs Out, The Rolling Stones in Concert. And it consisted of recordings taken from shows in New York City and Baltimore on their 1969 American tour. It was released on September 4th, 1970, to once again critical and commercial success. Um, he, I sense a bit of a pattern here. Anyways, the album peaked at number one in the UK and number six in the US, where it was also certified platinum. That was the only release of 1970 for the band, as they were hard at work on their next album, hoping to keep their recent success going. And they released the first single from the new album on April 16th, 1971, entitled Brown Sugar. The song was another smash hit, peaking at number one in the U.S. and three other countries, and kept fans pumped for the new album, which would come out just about a week later. Their ninth British and 11th American album was released on April 23, 1971, entitled Sticky Fingers, and was a landmark album for the band in many ways. It was the first album on their new label, Rolling Stones Records, and it was the first release to feature the band's classic logo, known as Tongue and Lips. Once again, critical acclaim and huge commercial success for the band, peaking at number one in 10 countries, including the UK and the US, and is heralded as one of the greatest albums of all time. Now, shortly after the release of Sticky Fingers, the band was informed by management that they had not paid taxes in over seven years. And the band claimed that they were told it was un- under control, but now in a tough spot, the band becomes tax exiles living in, a, living in Southern France and converted a villa house into a recording studio for the next release. But in between all the chaos, the band released a double compilation album called Hot Rocks. Released on December 20th, 1971, the band encompassed all material the Stones had released so far, and the album was once again a commercial success, but this time sales went through the roof. The album is currently certified 12 times platinum in the U.S. and twice platinum in the U.K., And remains a must-have for Stones fans and remains the Stones' best-selling release of all time, along with being a top seller for the band yearly. Now you might be thinking, surely the success has got to stop soon, right? The answer is no. Released on May 12, 1972, the appropriately titled Exile on Main Street once again was universally acclaimed by critics and was a commercial hit Led by the single Tumbling Dice, which hit number 5 in the UK and 7 in America, provided the foundation for once again another instant classic album from the Stones. This time, it was definitely the Stones' greatest work, and it shows in its legacy. It ranked at number 7 in Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list, and it continues to hover at the top of various media sources' Greatest Albums lists. The album was certified platinum in both the UK and US and even Australia and firmly cemented the stones as one of the greatest musical artists the world has ever seen. And that's the last album we'll cover for this episode and pick back up with or right after in 1973 with their album Goat's Head Suit. So I hope you join me next time and remember to keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars.